You deserve a home that's beautiful and stylish. At Overstock, you don't have to choose between low prices and quality. Find new on-trend home goods that reflect your taste and don't compromise on value. You can be proud of your home and design a space where you feel like you, all under budget. Plus, you get free shipping on everything in the continental United States. Overstock is where quality furniture and decor cost less. Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds with your hosts, Sam Stone and Chuck Warren. Heartbreaking story we just finished up, and hopefully, even by the time you hear this, it will be resolved. But now we we have something a little more hopeful for you. We have Jeremy Hunt, a Georgia native, a graduate of West Point, uh, spent five years as an active duty Army intelligence officer, a captain in the U.S. Army, uh, upon his return from a deployment to Ukraine, Jeremy embarked on a new mission as a husband and father. Uh, he has written some fantastic op-eds. I highly recommend folks check them out uh, for Fox News, uh, the New York Post, Washington Post, done tons of TV appearances. And now he is running for Congress in a very hotly contested district that Democrats are desperate to hold on to in Georgia. Jeremy, welcome to the program and thank you for joining us. Yes, it's an honor to be on with you. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Jeremy, what what I, I, I always have to ask this of people who are running for Congress, how'd you get this crazy, terrible idea in your head? <laughs> <laughs> yes, anybody who runs for Congress is just, just has a little bit of crazy. That is very true. Uh, well, you know, for me, my, my wife and I, we, were, we spent a lot of time in prayer and just kind of thinking about what, what, how can we make the, the greatest impact uh, and serve our country? You know, we're, when we were thinking when we were transitioning out of the army, and we realized that if we really want to make real change, we, we need serious leaders in Washington. And the kind of the, the very kind of last straw that made us, you know, decide to, to jump in was that we realized that the next generation, in particular, we, we are losing them. I mean, young people today. My my little sister-in-law, she's only 17 years old. You know, she grew up in a in a conservative family, just like just like my wife and I did. But you know, it's just sad that she does not uh, quite understand the values that we have, and, and and we realize that when when our young folks are just on TikTok and these apps and everything every day, they aren't even hearing the Christian conservative message at all. And so we felt that we that we our campaign, a big part of what we need to do is, is outreach and reach and build broader coalitions of people, um, specifically here in our district in Southwest Georgia. I, I think there is, Jeremy, I, I think what you're talking about in, is so profound because there's just an enormous disconnect right now between youth TikTok culture, the messages that are being forced down kids' throats by an unending yeah. barrage of social media, and the values of most Americans. And, and you've written a lot about that type of thing, but you know, how do you see uh, how do you see us turning that around and reconnecting with this next generation? Yeah, well, well, first we have to show up. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, we if you look at um, a lot of the the ways that our, our our young people are getting information, we aren't even on a lot of these apps, TikTok or, or Facebook, and you know, Instagram, and actually targeting them uh, and, and sharing our message in a compelling way. Uh, I think that's first off showing up uh, here in our district uh, as well. One thing that we're doing is. And going and, and, and meeting with, with young folks at schools and organizations uh, and actually saying, hey, we're here, we're not, we're, we're here to, to support you, and, and here's what we believe, uh, and articulating it in a way uh, that, that helps win people. And that's what we're all about. We're winning people. Our district, of course, is not one that's going to be 
you know, it, it's one that we're going to have to actually reach out and build those broader coalitions, um, or, or else we will not be successful. So that's why we are from day one. That's been kind of the heartbeat of our campaign. And obviously, it's connecting with voters because now all of a sudden, I hear this has turned into a real concern. You you are scaring a lot of big name Democrats. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They, Nancy Pelosi is, is. They are very nervous. They've just pumped two point six million dollars into our district to try to save Stanford Bishop uh, because they, they they see that this is a, a really winnable seat. I mean, Stanford is the most vulnerable he's ever been, uh, and at this point. We realize, especially, um, you know, half of the voters in our district are a lot of them are traditional Democrat voters. Uh, the demographics of our district, many of them are, are African American, and a lot of what we do is we're going into black churches, we're going into black organizations, bringing our message and saying, "Look, we we are here. We're standing for for families. We're standing for uh, our country. We are pro family, pro country. Uh, we believe that our churches are are where we have to strengthen our churches and our communities." And so when our message, we take Republican Democrat out of it and just talking about what we believe uh, and, and specifically talking about how we're the ones that are going to help get our country back on track. And the folks are tired of paying 4 or $5 at the pump. Our, our farmers, our diesel prices, the diesel and the tractors have gotten just astronomical. And so we, we are the ones that are showing up and actually saying we're here representing our community. So we have one minute left before our next break here. Um, why don't you quickly tell our folks where they can find you on social media? Um, and then we're going to take the break and we'll be back. We have we have more questions. A longer segment coming up. Awesome. Yes, you can join me at jeremyforgeorgia.com. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y for Georgia. Com. We'd love to have you uh, join us, and uh, I'm excited to continue our talk. How about Twitter and Facebook? Where can they find you there? Yep. You can find me at, at @vjeremyhunt on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, at vjeremyhunt, uh, and, and you can add us right there. Perfect. Breaking Battlegrounds. We'll be right back with Jeremy Hunt, who is in the middle of a battle in a major battleground. Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds with your host, Chuck Warren. I'm Sam Stone. On the line with us right now, Jeremy Hunt, a graduate of West Point, captain in the U.S. Army, now running for Congress in one of the most, what will likely be one of the most hotly contested districts in the country this year in the state of Georgia. Jeremy, again, thank you for joining us on the program. When we went to break, you were talking about, I think, one of the most important things that candidates can do right now, which is reconnect with a lot of voters who are being left behind by a democratic agenda that is driven by elites and driven by a really bizarre cancel culture phenomenon that is even targeting some of the great leaders of black history. Yeah. And yeah, but I'll go right ahead. You've written about this and, and I really want, want our listeners to be able to hear your take on some of the stuff that's going on. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, so what we've noticed is that the the Democrat Party, what they what they do is they have gone in, especially in communities like ours, and they play the same old strategy every time. They try to stir up some type of racial unrest. I mean, it's the same playbook every time. And in our district, in particular, uh, they they see us as, as right for that, just because of the demographics. You know, being half of our district being being black voters here in the Deep South. And you know, the problem is is that people can see right through it. I mean, when, uh, you go around our district, 
folks of all different backgrounds, all different colors, all different cultures work together. We are we're all trying to get make sure we can provide for our families. All of our small businesses, the owners, whether they're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. They are all dealing with a major labor shortage, uh, the inflation, our empty store shelves. We're all dealing with the same thing. So just playing the same race card over and over again is a distraction. But they do this even at the national level. You look at the way they the, the way they talk about race in particular. It's always to divide people. You know, mm-hmm. if you're black, you're a victim, and if you're white, then you are an oppressor uh, just by the color of your skin. Uh, and so we push back on that, saying, "Look, this is not the, the the Democrat agenda is not going to work in our community because we know the truth, and we know that we worked with our neighbors side by side for for decades." And so that's why. That's why they're so nervous now is because they realize that the same play that they always use is just not going to work here. Uh, and especially with my family being a, a young black conservative family, we show up and we campaign on the trail, all, all of us together. And there's, there's one thing that, that really bothers Democrats, is seeing a young black conservative family that knows what they believe and are unwavering in their values. We're and that's G- what our campaign represents. We're with Jeremy Hunt, Republicans, um, CD2 in Georgia. So, Jeremy, I want to touch on that last point. How are you received when you make a request to go speak in a black church? Um, you know, it, yeah. it, it's ninety percent of black electorate votes Democrat. Maybe eighty-five percent depends where you're at. How are you received by not only the pastors that you have to get permission, and I'm sure they also have their board of governors or board of directors, mm-hmm. but then once you're there, how does the congregation treat you? I mean, you got to figure that most of them have never voted Republican or considered voting Republican. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it's just it's home, right? I mean, my, my dad's a pastor. I grew up in the church. My wife and I, we actually met in children's church at, at our church. Her father was our, was our Sunday school teacher, and, and my father uh, was the assistant pastor of the church. And so, you know, I grew up in a black church. It's, it's home. I've spoken many a time. I mean, so it, it's something that we, when we're going and speaking, it's not like we're, you know, from the outside looking in, trying to reach people. We're actually just talking about things that we've been talking about all of our lives, our biblical values. You know, we're very strong pro-life. Many of our folks and congregations across our district are also pro-life. And so we're just asking them to vote in alignment with their values, the values that they already hold as as pro-life, pro-America, pro-religious liberty, saying, hey, vote according to what you already believe. That's our message, uh, and and it's been very positively received. I'm so thankful that around the district, we've had folks that have reached out to us before we can even get to them. Several black pastors said, hey, would you come and... and how many, chur- church. how many churches have you spoken in? Yeah, we, we've almost, we we're almost at 10 now, uh, just in the last few weeks. We just started kicking off our, our kind of ministry outreach, um, but we're obviously going to be kicking that up a lot more in the coming weeks. We've only been, it's amazing, we've only been in this race for a little over two months, and we have already, our, our fundraising records, we're already uh, almost at half a million dollars we've raised. We've been all over the district, uh, and we're just continuing to kind of kick in high gear. As we move forward. So CD two in Georgia is, if, I, if my memory serves me correct, about fifty one percent black electorate. Correct. That's right. That's right. Just, okay. just about. So what what is your accounting? I mean, what is the math? Because you know, at the end of the day, elections are all about math, right? Yeah. It, you have to have more than the other person. I, I know that's just a simplistic way of looking at it, but that's reality. What do you? What do you? What percentage of the black vote do you need to get to win that race? Yeah. 
we basically have to outperform a, a generic Republican candidate by 3% in the black community. So we're looking at, again, about 18%, 15 to 18% uh, is going to be our, our sweet spot. And a big part of what we're going to do is, 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 as I mentioned, you know, our strategy is reaching, reaching and engaging them, but also registering new voters and, and speaking to folks, uh, you know, of all backgrounds that are, you know, very kind of culturally conservative, even if they might vote Democrat in the past. We're asking for every vote. And we're showing up in we, and places that the conservative message has not even gone before. We're there. And, and that's a big part of our strategy. Also, another big part is making sure Republicans turn out, juicing Republicans turn out. I mean, that's, we can't just assume that just because it's going to be a wave year, right. Republicans are going to come out. We, right. we are having to share the message that, look, we have to get out and vote. We have to get to the polls. We have to make sure that we are um, giving our, our best effort on both sides. So we are, it, it's an all of the above approach. It's not just one you sure. know, kind of strategy. It's an sure. all, all of the above approach. Uh, but what we're seeing is that it's working, and, and, we're, and we're excited. We've got some major endorsements just at the national level. Uh, Secretary Mike Pompeo has endorsed me, and Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Josh Hawley, uh, Secretary Ryan Zinke, and Congressman Mike Waltz and the Frontline Patriots PACs. I mean, folks from all over are just so excited about our district and the opportunity to flip this seat. And that's what really has uh, Pelosi and Sanford Bishop uh, nervous, is that we have a, a lot of support all around the country, and in our district is a, is a stirring here saying, look, we're ready to try something new. And folks who have even traditionally voted uh, for the Democrat incumbent for the first time are saying we're ready uh, We're ready for an alternative because what's, what's happened in the past is not working. Our schools are not getting any better. Our, our streets are not safe. And our store shelves continue to be empty. So they're, they're, and, we're, and we're just showing up and saying we're that alternative you've been looking for. Jeremy, I, I think that is such a key point. It's something we've, we like to talk about here on the program is that a lot of times these people that you need to come across either come across the aisle or come out and vote for you, I think our candidates forget you have to do the outreach yourself. The media is not yeah. going to carry your message. The you know t- the social media networks only extend so far. It sounds like you're using that Army work ethic and training just to go out there and get in front of these folks, shake the hands, meet all the people. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, we were just at the uh, the Peanut Proud Festival in Blakely, Georgia, and it was amazing that we got to the festival, and, and you see that my, the Democrat incumbent, Sanford Bishop, who, by the way, has been in office for 30 years, uh, and before then he was in State House for another 17 years. So he's been in public office. He's been a career politician for 47 years, uh, you know, a much, much older guy. And he, so, you know, he, he's just kind of sitting on his truck as, you know, as they're going to the festival, and he doesn't really do much. Whereas our campaign, we had you know, a huge float for the, for the parade, but I was on, we were, my wife and I were on the ground running alongside the parade, shaking every single hand of all the folks that came out to, to watch the parade. I mean, and so we are fully engaged. We have the energy to do this thing. Uh, and that's really what's going to make the difference is that we're putting in the work. We're knocking on the doors. We're not, we aren't just, you know, hoping that the, the red wave in 2022 will just carry us into the seat. We, we are, we're going out and asking for every vote. And that's what we think will be the major difference. Well, I, and this is Chuck. Um, we're with Jeremy Hunt. He is a Republican candidate for CD2 in Georgia. Jeremy, tell me two questions quickly here. Um, one, how did being a captain, an Army intelligence officer, prepare you to be in Congress? And two, how do we as a nation go forward now with basically a dual threat of Russia and China? Um, we're in sort of a new Cold War in many ways. I, I think it's a little bit different because of the economic entanglements of China. But 
let's be honest, they they don't want us to be in the position we've been for the past several decades. So first, you know, how to be an intelligence officer, wh- what skills are you taking there to Congress? And then two, what is your view of this this new national security threat we have? Absolutely. Well, um, as, you, as you, I think you mentioned earlier, I graduated from West Point and got my junk plane, became a paratrooper here at Fort Benning, and I was actually deployed to Ukraine back in 2016. And, and we were there training the Ukrainian armed forces um, back when, at that point, Putin had already taken Crimea uh, during the Obama administration, and he was basically just waiting uh, to take the rest of the country. Uh, we knew this several years ago. Uh, we knew that he was eyeing Ukraine. He was basically waiting for a moment of weakness in our White House, and unfortunately, he found that in, in Biden, you know, just the kind of weakness that we've seen from our the way his foreign policy has been operating. Uh, and so back then, you know, we're training the Ukraine, the, the Ukrainian armed forces to defend themselves against Russia, and, I'm, and I must say I'm very proud of the way that the fight they put up. I mean, they are literally giving their lives for their country, uh, defending their homeland, and you, know, you can just search some of the stories of heroism, and I'm just extremely proud of them. Um, and so we knew that back then. Uh, the number one reason why Putin, you know, basically used this moment is a he saw that our our commander in chief, you know, would do very little about it, and b he knew that he has held uh, East, Eastern Europe hostage with with, with, with energy. I mean, the, the Nord Stream two uh, pipeline basically he is controlling energy production in, in Europe, and that's how he's made Germany and every and other countries kind of uh, surrender to his demands. That's why we have to stay energy independent here in the United States. I mean, we cannot be in a position where we're dependent on foil, foreign oil. That is a national security issue. Uh, and then secondly, another kind of national security issue that I think is extremely important is that we cannot take our eye off of China. China is the number one geopolitical uh, enemy that we have right now. They are moving at a pace that we've never seen before. I mean, they are, they are developing supersonic missiles that our radar systems cannot even detect. And, and they want their, the Chinese currency, to replace the American dollar as the global reserve currency. And, and, and they mean business. I mean, they are going around to several different countries and basically uh, holding them hostage to their debt. Uh, and so it, it is a, a, major, uh, a major problem that we have to, as I think, to be smart about the way that we are crafting policy. And we have to start uh, making, being independent here, bringing jobs, keeping jobs here in America and strengthening our country, because we know that when we strengthen our, our country here, we bring jobs back home and we strengthen our military here. That ensures peace abroad. What is, um, there's been quite a bit of discussion about President Biden's comments that Putin is a war criminal. I believe he's a war criminal. Is that something he should say? What are your thoughts on that? Um, can we, as a country, a leader of the free world, allow him to continue to be what he's doing? You know, first off, Putin is evil. I mean, he is no doubt a KGB thug. I mean, that is who he is. And we have to stand up to him. But the problem is that the way you stand up to Putin is not through saying mean things about him. Correct. I mean, the Biden, it's always blue in the face, can say, you know, can, can say what I just said. He's a thug. He's evil, war criminal, you say all these things, Putin doesn't care. What he cares is he responds to strength. And what has Biden done with our military in the last year? Well, let's, let's just review. One year ago, at this time last year, Biden said that the number one issue in the military is white supremacy, and we need to root out white supremacists in the United States military. 
it wasn't focused on training our soldiers and making sure that we're ready to, to go up against uh, you know, our, our adversaries abroad. He wasn't investing in making sure they had the resources and the equipment and everything to make sure they're ready for the mission. No, he was going on this witch hunt for white supremacy. And then you go, and then you fast forward a little longer, and then we, and then we had the huge, uh, just mess in Afghanistan. The way that he pulled out without any kind of plan. I mean, just made horrible strategic uh, issues there. All of his kind of just, you know, he telegraphs everything he's going to do, and all of his kind of blunders have added up over time. And and Putin can see this, and 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 our other adversaries have seen just how weak our commander in chief is, and how and our failed foreign policy at the White House. And so, when if, if we had if we had a stronger military, that's what Putin responds to. It's not just, it's not just words or, or sending mean letters. Over, Ab- over absolutely, Russia. Jeremy. Let me let me stop you here because we have to go to break here in about thirty seconds. But one last time. I think I love what you're you're saying. I think a lot of our listeners will tell folks how they can follow you, how they can find you, and how they can support your campaign. Yes, please. we'd love to have your support. Even if you're able just to chip in just five, ten, fifteen dollars, it, it really goes a long way. You can find us on our website, JeremyForGeorgia.com. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y, F-O-R Georgia spelled out, JeremyForGeorgia.com. And you can also add us on social media on Twitter, uh, Instagram at the Jeremy Hunt. On Facebook as well. Follow us uh, and please. Fantastic. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much. We love having you on the program. Love to have you on again. Breaking Battlegrounds back next week. The political field is all about reputation, so don't let someone squash yours online. Secure your name and political future with a yourname.vote web address from GoDaddy.com. Your political career depends on it.